Chapter Nine of the Queen's Necklace by Alexander Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Swiss Lake. Everyone knows this piece of water, which still goes by the same name. An avenue of linden trees skirts each bank, and these avenues were on this day thronged with pedestrians of all ranks and ages who had come to enjoy the sight of the sledges and the skating. The toilets of the ladies presented a brilliant spectacle of luxury and gaiety. Their high coiffeurs, gay bonnets with the veils half down, fur mantles and brilliant silks with deep flounces, were mingled with the orange or blue coats of the gentlemen. Gay lackeys also, in blue and red, passed among the crowd looking like poppies and cornflowers blown about by the wind. Now and then a cry of admiration burst from the crowd as St. George, the celebrated skater, executed some circle so perfect that a mathematician could scarcely have found a fault in it. While the banks of the lake were thus crowded, the ice itself presented a scene not less gay and still more animated. Sledges flew about in all directions, several dogs clothed in embroidered velvet and with plumes of feathers on their heads, looking like fabulous animals, drew a sledge in which sat Monsieur de Lauzun, who was wrapped up in a tiger-skin. Here you might see a lady masked, doubtless on account of the cold, in some sledge of a quieter character, while a handsome skater in a velvet riding-coat hangs over the back to assist and direct her progress. Whatever they may be saying to each other is quite inaudible amidst this busy hum of voices, but who can blame a rendezvous which takes place in the open air and under the eyes of all Versailles? And whatever they may be saying matters to no one else. It is evident that in the midst of this crowd their life is an isolated one. They think only of each other. All at once a general movement in the crowd announces that they have recognized the queen who is approaching the lake. A general cry of Vive la Reine is heard, and all endeavor to approach as nearly as possible to the place where she has stationed herself. One person alone does not appear to share this feeling, for on her approach he disappears with all his suite as fast as possible in the opposite direction. Do you see, said the Comte d'Artois to the Queen, whom he had hastened to join, how my brother Provence flies from you? He fears that I should reproach him. Oh, no, it is not that that makes him fly. It is his conscience, then. Not even that, sister. What, then? I will tell you. He had just heard that Monsieur de Souffrain, our glorious commander, will arrive this evening, and as the news is important, he wishes to leave you in ignorance of it. But... Is the minister of Marine ignorant of this arrival? Ha! Mon dear sister, have you not learned enough of ministers? During the fourteen years you have passed here, as Dauphiness and Queen, to know that they are always ignorant of precisely what they ought to know. However, I have told him about this, and he is deeply grateful. I should think so, said the Queen. Yes, and I have need of his gratitude, for I want a loan. Oh, cried the queen, laughing, how disinterested you are. Sister, said he, you must want money. I offer you half of what I am going to receive. Oh, no, brother, keep it for yourself, 
i thank you but i'd want nothing just now diable do not wait too long to claim my promise because if you do i may not be in a condition to fulfil it in that case i must endeavour to find out some state secret for myself sister you begin to look cold well here is monsieur de tavernay returning with my sledge then you do not want me any longer no then send me away i beg why do you imagine you will be in my way no it is i who want my liberty adieu then au revoir dear sister till when till this evening is there anything to take place to-night then yes this evening the minister will bring monsieur de souffren to the jus de roi very well then till this evening and the young prince bowing with his habitual elegance disappeared among the crowd old tavernet who was one of the nearest spectators of all this had been watching his son eagerly and felt almost chagrined at this conversation between the queen and her brother-in-law as it interrupted the familiar intercourse which his son had before been enjoying therefore when the young man returned with the queen's sledge and seeing his father whom he had not met for ten years advanced towards him he motioned him away saying we will talk afterwards when you have left the queen philip therefore returned to the queen who was getting into the sledge with andrea two attendants approached to push it but she said no i do not wish to go like that you skate monsieur de tavernay does he not andrea philippe used to skate remarkably well replied she and now i dare say he rivals st george said the queen i will do my best to justify your majesty's opinion said he and putting on his skates he placed himself behind her sledge and they commenced their course st george seeing the queen on the ice began to execute his most skilful manoeuvres and finished off by going in circles around her sledge making the most elegant bows each time he passed her then philippe moved to emulation began to push along the sledge with such wonderful rapidity that st george found no little difficulty in keeping pace with it several people however seeing the queen move at this marvellous rate uttered cries of terror if your majesty desires said philippe i will stop or go slower oh no said she with that enthusiasm which she carried in everything oh no i am not at all afraid quicker still chevalier if you can oh yes madame and you are quite safe you may trust to me and his vigorous arm propelled them at a still increased pace he emulated the circles of st george and flew round as fast with the sledge as could even that experienced skater without it then leaving these evolutions he pushed the sledge straight before him and with such force that he himself remained behind st george seeing this made a tremendous effort to gain the sledge before him but was distanced by philippe who once more seized it turned it and flew in a new direction the air now rang with such acclamations that philippe began to feel ashamed then the queen who had joined the applause with her hands 
turned round and said to him, "'And now, Monsieur de Tavernay, that you have gained the victory, stop, I beg, or you will kill me.'" End of chapter 9 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia